Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And you just heard the number to call to be on the show, Calvary Live. You are tuned in to Calvary Live, and I am your host for the next hour, Pastor Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. And I get to uh, take your questions and your prayer requests at that number you just heard, 303-690-3000. So grab one of those open lines. I pray that you're safe. This afternoon, I know we're getting snow all along the uh, front range here in Colorado. Those of you who are tuned in to Grace FM, so drive safely, be careful. Uh, it is winter time, and sometimes when that first snow comes in, particularly during the week, um, and this is our first snow on a weekday, uh, the last one we had earlier in the month came on a Sunday morning, but we do want to um, just uh, be careful out there the first time out. We forget about how slick it is, so take your time. Be careful. I want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners all along the Front Range, uh, from Pueblo, Colorado Springs, up into Monument, and then in northern Colorado as well, Castle Rock, Denver, metro area, Boulder, Longmont, Fort Collins, Greeley, uh, up in the southern Wyoming, in Cheyenne and Laramie. Welcome to Calvary Live. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, to ask your questions. Maybe you got a question about um, the Bible, uh, Christian living, uh, maybe about events that you see uh, around us. How do we uh, view it, our worldview, that is, as a Christian? And I want to take you to the Scriptures uh, to help you, to uh, give you truth, to give clarity and understanding the best I know how, and it's always from God's Word. And there is uh, also a means for you to ask a question, or also we take prayer requests on the phone and in uh, the text line. The text line number is 720-336-0897. I'll repeat those numbers throughout the uh, show, and that text line, 720-336-0897. This is really your show. Uh, and this is an opportunity for you to call in. So I'd uh, love for you to do that. We have all open lines right now. Not only do I want to welcome Grace FM listeners uh, along the Front Range in Colorado and Southern Wyoming, but also I want to welcome those on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM. Uh, you too can call. Always such a blessing uh, to hear from you, to be a part of your lives. So glad that you're tuned in to to great uh, to. That is Calvary Live on your station, uh, whether that's Hope uh, or Truth FM. And uh, so we'd love to hear from you as as well. You are a week delayed, but give me a call. And I'd uh, love to be able to converse with you and talk with you, pray with you as you have prayers. It reminds me, I was just reading Psalm 73 uh, before we went on the air. And, and I love uh, the psalmist writes, "...that whom have I in heaven but you?" And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God 
that I may declare all your works. And so it's good for us to go to him, to trust in him, to declare his works. He's the one that strengthens our hearts, especially when our hearts fail. And and perhaps you need prayer. Uh, Maybe you need just encouragement. Maybe there's something that's troubling you that you need answers for. Uh, We want to go to the Lord. We want to go to his word. Uh, We want to go to the throne of grace in time of need. Um, And we can do that. And that's what this show is all about. So give me a call. Open lines, 303-690-3000 is the number to call to be on the air. And then the text line, 720-336-0897. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs and uh, hoping those phone lines will ring, whether you're getting a snack for the kids at home, um, maybe waiting for the kids to come out from school, uh, whatever the case may be. Love to hear from you talk with you, and uh, go to the Lord together um, as we converse. I do want to just uh, um, just remind uh, everyone here in northern Colorado that uh, tomorrow night uh, we are going to be having service, even though it's uh, Halloween night. We are going to be here studying God's Word. Uh, we have a place for all the kids, and they're going to be blessed as we're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to continue our study in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has been an incredible study, and uh, looking forward to just continue as uh, we're in the second part of Isaiah, the wonderful promises that the Lord has given to us through Isaiah, and looking forward to continuing to be encouraged uh, in in uh, these verses um, as uh, we learn so much. It's so relevant to us today, uh, what Isaiah was writing 2,700 years ago, for us to take heed and for us uh, to be blessed by as well. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Uh, we're going to go to the text line while we're waiting for the phone lines um, to come through, but uh, there was a question uh, on the text line. I heard a teaching in Revelation where the pastor said that the Antichrist is not a man but represents man's government. Also that the 144,000, that's from Revelation chapter 7, are not literal Jews but believers in general. Do you agree with this view? And um, that is a view that I, I do not agree with, um, that uh, I believe that the Antichrist, the Bible uh, makes it pretty clear, very clear to me, that the Antichrist will be a man that will come on the scene. Uh, he will be a world leader. He will come out of that revised Roman Empire uh, that Daniel speaks about uh, in his book, and also that he's going to be one that will be an economic leader. He will be a military leader. He will be a religious leader, and he's going to be um, uh, you know, a military leader as well. And he's going to lead the world uh, seemingly as he comes riding on a white horse into a peace plan uh, with Israel. And then he will lead the world into chaos, destruction, and war. He will set himself up as God in the temple of God, as Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us, to be worshipped as God. He is going to um, deceive many with lying signs and wonders, is what that chapter goes on to say. And he's also going to have with him the false prophet. And the false prophet's going to come along and point to the Antichrist. The world's going to turn and worship the Antichrist. Um, The beast is what he is called. So I believe that the Bible is clear 
that it is a literal man. And then also, I think it's very clear from Revelation chapter 7 that the 144,000 are literal Jews uh, because we see that even John, who is receiving this vision, the Apostle John, writing the Apocalypse, that he writes that they come from the 12 tribes. He even names the tribes. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, all of the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So they are literal young men um, that we know, uh, and they are going to be sealed by God, and they're going to be evangelists, as we know that the outcome in chapter 7 is many come to believe. It's going to be like 144,000 Billy Grahams or 144,000 Grey Glories that are going to evangelize the world. So uh, those who take the view of that the Antichrist is government, the 144,000 Jews are, um, or the 144,000 are not Jews, but they are just believers, uh, tend to hold to the replacement theology um, and um, that Israel does not have a place uh, or the promises that God's going to fulfill for them in the last days. They forfeited those promises uh, because um, they... um, rejected the Messiah. And, and uh, you know, that's a topic for another time, another question, but I believe that God's going to fulfill the promises to Israel and um, that, you know, Paul would write in Romans chapter 11, has God cast away his people? And certainly not. So let's go to phone lines as they're beginning to fill up. Let's go to Jackie in Maryland. Jackie. Hi. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am good. How are things in Maryland? I'm nice and cold, but good. <laughs> it's cold here. It's snowing. <laughs> yeah, it's good. No snow yet. No snow over here yet. <laughs> you got a question for me? I do. I do. Um, I actually have a question. I was hoping you could guide me where I could read it in, in the good book, um, I guess, the answer. So our church, um, Mount Christian Church, actually just hired on uh, a female pastor. And it has uh-huh. brought up a lot of, um, I've recently ran into a, um, one of our members actually had a, um, a church member had put like almost like a picket sign, if you will, um, saying uh-huh. that, you know, you should not follow a female pastor. And I wasn't sure if somewhere in the Bible, um, cause I'm still new and I'm learning and I'm kind of growing in my faith. Um, it, yeah. it indicates that you should only follow a male pastor and not, uh, you know, not a female. So I just, that's mainly my question. I was a little concerned, and yeah. of course the other leaders at the church did address it, um, have spoken, well, have tried to speak to the gentleman and uh, try to, keep, you know, bring peace about it, but I wasn't sure if right. you could guide me uh, in the direction uh, to be able to, you know, know a little more. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that, because that's an issue that comes up a lot, particularly in our culture and in the Church today, is um, is uh, females being ordained as pastors, uh, teaching behind the pulpit. And I think that what we need to remember is that, um, first of all, in First Timothy chapter 3, you can write down some of these um, references, that okay. Paul is writing to Timothy about the Church, have an order in the Church— He's writing about um, the makeup of the church, and he gives the qualifications of an overseer, which is a pastor. Um, and um, so he uh, is saying that, you know, this is a faithful saying. Um, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. 
And he goes on, he says, a bishop, that's an overseer, that's an elder, that's, we, we can interchange those terms, um, must be blameless, the husband of one wife. So we see that um, not only in that verse, but Paul also, right before that in chapter 2, that he writes that, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, before the the phones start ringing, here's one I want to say to you, Jackie. And Jackie, I don't know if you have your radio on. Um, I do. But I'm, get, I'm getting a little feedback, so you might want to just turn it down a little bit. Okay, and, sure. Um, and that'll help with that. Thank you. Appreciate it. But but yeah, but but Jackie, here's the thing: is that um, is that women have a place in the church. Um, it isn't that women are completely. Um, forbidden to teach. And, and when Paul writes that word, let a woman learn in silence, it doesn't mean that women are to shut up, sit down, and have nothing to do as far as teaching in the church. And um, what it means is that word silence is that it takes on the meaning of order. It takes on the meaning of that you're under authority, and Paul writes about how there is to be order in the church, and the men are to lead. And what he says is that, yeah, women can prophesy uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, you can write that down. Um, okay. They can prophesy. Titus goes on to say that the older women are to admonish the younger women. So here at Calvary Chapel at our church, there are women that teach Sunday school. There are women that uh, teach Bible studies to other women, but we don't have those in the position of a pastor, of an elder. I think okay. the New Testament is very clear, is that the men are to be, the Lord desires for them to be the leaders in the church, and it doesn't mean that God loves the woman less, that women, you know, that men are better than the woman. Women are very smart. Women are very, very smart, and there are ladies here that have an incredible knowledge of the Scriptures, and they're very good teachers, but God has called. He says, this is what I've ordained. This is what I have commissioned, that in the church and in the home, the men are to be the leaders. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that the women are not to be teaching over the men, have those authority in that position of teaching. It doesn't mean we can't learn from women. It doesn't mean that they can't give a testimony, but I believe it's talking about in that position as a pastor, and, and that's what, what Paul is writing, and that's what we see in the New Testament. And, and so the culture today is that, you know, um, there are those who use that verse that in the church there's neither male or female, you know, slave or free, are free, you know, circumcised or uncircumcised, we're all one. I think that's um, not a good verse to use to back up um, the biblical case for women being pastors, but the qualifications is they must be the husband of one wife. So I, I don't know if that helps. It does. It actually does help, and and I appreciate that, that you referenced a few places I could read as well, because... Um, it does help me a little bit. I think uh, I might have taken back one of my pastors when I called in because I was kind of looking for more of, not necessarily the answer, if you will, but just where I could read, where the, where right. you could point me in that right direction. So I do appreciate you helping me with that tonight. I, I do yeah. appreciate it. 
And and here's the thing um, in First Corinthians chapter seven, um, when Paul talks about order in the church, what was important to Paul is there be order, do and there there was headship, and he talks about that as well. You might read that chapter, and okay. in that he he talks about that the the head of man is God, the head of of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Um, he's not saying that when we have a headship that we're dominant and superior and all of this. Um, what he's saying is, here's the order that I put in, that the head of the church is Christ, that the the head of woman is man, and that the head of Christ is God. Now, in that, is Jesus inferior to the Father? No, he's not. No. He's equal with the Father. So I think, what I think personally, that let women learn in silence with all submission, I don't permit a woman to teach, it's not that a woman doesn't have the capability they're very smart. It's like um, I'm so impressed with. I hear some of the ladies, their hearts. I know my wife Sue, and when she speaks the things that the Lord has shown her, I listen. And right. um, and she teaches a ladies' Bible study, and the insights of those ladies really truly bless me. I think that Paul is saying uh, that. So you know, ladies, you know, allow the men to step forward and be the leaders that God has called them to be. And um, I think that's, that's you know, so important. Um, but the husband of one wife is the qualification of an overseer. Also, you can go to the other uh, epistle, um, uh, pastoral epistle of Titus in chapter 1 as well. Okay. okay. Great. And, well, thank and, you so much for your time and, and for taking time to speak with me. I appreciate it. You bet, Jackie. God bless you. Thank you. You also. Thank you. God bless you. You bet. Let's go to line two in Philadelphia. You're on Calvary Live. I'm not sure. Adasatu, is that who I'm talking to? Did I say it right? Yes, sir. Hey. Well, good. How are you? I'm fine. I give God the glory. I'm fine. Good, good. What can we do for you? You're on Calvary Live. Yes, I have a question, and this last caller, a question should have been one of my questions, so I'm good. Um, and then the question I have is concerning forgiveness. Last Sunday, um, we had a discussion about forgiveness during our Sunday school, and we're going to continue with that that topic tomorrow, um, this Sunday coming. So I've been doing a lot of reading today, and my, uh-huh. yeah, my the thing I want to get myself enlightened is on the the issue of boundaries. Okay. Some yeah, some of my sisters and brothers say it's like they will forgive, but they will set boundaries, and I'm little not comfortable about the boundaries. Right. I am thinking like the boundaries should be during the process of forgiveness, because by then. You are hurting, you're going through pain, you will tend to set some boundaries. Then after which, I'm thinking of prayer, praying for the person, and then uh-huh. taking some amount of responsibilities. So I'm looking at uh, um, boundaries will, will not create a revenue for reconciliation. Uh-huh. And at times, when, yeah, when we forgive, to me, like if I forgive... And then pray, whatever it is, pray about it. 
learn right. from it. And then me being that forgiver will right. give an opportunity to this offender to repent. At times, it is hard. The way I'm talking, I'm saying it right now, it will be right. hard because I've never got somebody that wronged me that bad, killed somebody you... for me or something. Right, right. But I'm just trying to, like, understand yeah. setting the boundaries <laughs> will, will yeah. hinder the process of reconciliation and repentance. At a Satu, you know, one of yeah. the things when the Lord forgave us, when we, um, you know, were forgiven of the Lord, um, were there boundaries set on that? We're freely forgiven. And I think when it comes to, we are told um, that we are to forgive others just as our Father has forgiven us. Of course, we um, are to forgive others. It does not mean that we are approving of their sin against us or what they did wrong against us. We are making a choice to forgive. Mm-hmm. And um, because if we don't forgive, what happens is we become bitter. If we don't yes. forgive, we become angry. And that bitterness and that anger grows, and then that person has power over you. Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes Christians make the mistake of, well, if I forgive, and listen, when you've been hurt when you by somebody, when you've been cut deep, you can't do that in your own flesh. You can't do it in your own efforts. I think it's the hardest thing that God has called us to do is to forgive. And it's something that you have to do over and over again, bit by bit, day by day. Lord, Mm -hmm. help me to forgive. I want to make the choice to forgive. And then, as you were saying, that you pray for that person. You pray Mm -hmm. that, Lord, you deal with them. You know, I'm going to give this person over to you. Um, yes. That you know they may come to repentance, they yes. may understand what they're doing is wrong. Yes. But our part is this: that we choose to forgive, so that person doesn't have power over us anymore. So we can be free to continue on and not be bound up in bitterness and anger. And um, it doesn't mean that we're going to allow that person to continue to hurt us. It doesn't mean that we condone what they have done for us. It doesn't mean any of those things. You know that well. Just you know, forgive them and so what, and, and no big deal. It is a big deal Some, you know, when somebody's hurt us. But you're mm-hmm. choosing to be free from just in that bondage of, of not forgiving. And the Lord doesn't want that, and it doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. So I think that's the importance of forgiveness um, that I see in the Scriptures. The imperative to forgive is what we're to do, because the Lord has forgiven us so much. Yes, sir. So, like, like for the boundaries, like, because like most of most of us, we are saying um to set boundaries so this thing will not happen again. So I'm looking at the boundaries. It's like praying for the person, but if you set boundaries, you're not showing precedent. You're not being an example, pushing the person far. Setting boundaries will create right. a revenue for you to set the boundaries in punishment or in retaliation. Right, so like, and it yeah, could be at a uh, say to, say to it could be that when I hear boundaries, it's kind of like I will forgive you if you do this, yeah. rather than saying I'm going to forgive you and um, I choose to forgive you right now. It doesn't yeah. mean you allow them to continue that um, that sin against you or hurting you or or whatever the case may be, but you're choosing to forgive. And so the boundary things is where you got to be careful, where the Lord says you need to forgive. And, you know, he goes on and he says, forgive seven times 70. And what the Lord is saying, continue to forgive, as Peter's saying, 
you know, oh, you forgive seven times. No, the Lord says seven times 70. So good question. Appreciate it. You know, hope you guys have a good discussion on that. All right. Yes, thank you very much. Um, I have a you prayer bet. request, but I will save that uh-huh. one for tomorrow. I don't want to <laughs> take all the time. <laughs> um, yes, you, you I know actually what? We'll, do need prayers for my marriage, but I'll definitely call again tomorrow. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna to I'm gonna pray prayer. for you. I'm gonna do a quick prayer for you. Feel free to call back tomorrow, but I do thank pray you, for sir. my sister. I pray for her marriage. You know what's going on, Lord. I pray that you bring strength and healing if it's needed, uh, forgiveness if it's needed, restoration, strength in their marriage. Lord, I just pray that you would touch, that you would work. I thank you for my sister, for her call, and Lord, that you would just um, just work in her life in, a, in a, such an amazing way and in her marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. All right, you bet. Okay, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. We got another call from the East Coast in New Jersey, Andy. Andy from New Jersey. Hello, Pastor. How are you? Good, Andy. How are you guys? I am wonderful, and it's not snowing. (laughs) It snows here early in Colorado. We've already had a snow the first week in October, so... My son lives in Norwood, not too far from you guys. That's, I, you know what? Most people listening in Colorado do not know where Norwood is, okay? It's, it's, it's hidden. It's on the western <laughs> slope by Utah, right? That's correct, yep. And you know why, Andy, I know that? Because what? my son, my son played eight-man football at Day Springs Christian Academy, and one of their oh. rivals was Norwood. Norwood always had a very good team, and they would always be in the, the state, you know, a tournament in the semifinals, and they they were tough kids out there. They knew how to play football. So that's how I know Norwood. Norwood is tucked away. It's up, up in the hole. <laughs> it's up. He's, up. On, he's on top of a mountain out there. He lives on top of a mountain. I've been there a few times. But well, I great. stay in New Jersey most of the time. I have a 95-year-old right. father, so I won't oh. leave him behind. Yeah, bless your heart. So what can we do yep. for you? Well, Pastor, I am in a situation where I am in a job, and the job is changing, becoming more demanding, and it is a position that is satisfying when it works well. But just like any job, you have opportunities that come along sometime where someone wants to offer you something else. I have an opportunity to interview with another company, and I am not a spring chicken anymore. (laughs) I know how that feels. (laughs) But the position that I am asked to interview for has a lot of things that are very attractive about it. The position I am in now is one that is becoming more difficult, Uh maybe less money. We don't know right now. The tariff situation in the United States and China is making it a little bit more difficult. And uncertain. Uh, so, So I'm in a situation where should I stay or should I go? Our church is praying. Uh, My 
fellowship group is praying. I certainly am praying, and my wife is certainly praying. But it wouldn't yeah. hurt to yeah. have you come along and join and pray with us Absolutely, and lift us Andy. up in that matter. Yeah, yeah and we'll I be praying for cr- you. Hey, Andy. I don't have a crystal getting- ball. <laughs> That's right. But we do have the Lord. And I'm going to give yep. you some scripture. We're about ready to go to break. So if you can, if you can just hang on, um, because I do want to pray. And we're going to hear the music here in just um, just a few seconds. But sure. it is, you know, when you get older, and that's a big decision that you are making. And the more people to pray for you, I know that the Lord's going to work. So hang on. I'm going to give you some sure scripture. Will. Then we're going to pray. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Calvary Live. With Pastor Jeff Figs, we'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And you just heard those numbers to uh, be a part of Calvary Live as we head into the second half of the program. This is Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. I'm your host this afternoon. I want to go back to Andy in New Jersey. Andy, thanks for waiting. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Sure thing. Hey, one of the verses I wanted to give to you is from Isaiah chapter 30. And in okay. Isaiah chapter 30, 30, the Lord says, "Come." To, he, he's pleading with his people to come to him for counsel. And he says, In returning in rest, you shall, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall you should be your strength. So he's saying, number one, go to him. And then he says, those who wait on the Lord, he'll be gracious. And blessed are those who wait for him. So number one, go to him. Second of all, wait on him. And then he says in verse 21 of chapter 30 of Isaiah, that your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left hand. So as you are doing just what he is telling us to do, you go to him, then right now you're waiting on him. And that can be kind of a hard place to be as Christians, to wait on the Lord, you're waiting for an answer, because this is an important decision that you're making But he promises, Andy, that he will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Also, in in Colossians chapter 3, that Paul talks about, may the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule means um, to make the call. It's like a baseball umpire. Uh, And he's going to make the call for you. And you said something that kind of caught my attention before we went to the break. You said, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what the future is. In the Old Testament, they used to have what was called the Urim and the Thummim. And they don't know yeah. exactly what that was, but it was like two <laughs> stones that they would go to the priest, ask a question, you know, what should we do? And he'd pull out the, you know, Urim and the Thummim. It was kind of like either yes or no or what. We have something better. We have the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in our hearts. And Amen. I have confidence that he's going to give you a peace that rules in your heart whatever it is that you're to do whether you stay on the job that you're at or whether you change jobs but i know for me if i don't have a peace about a decision that i'm making um then then i stay put 
And, and if right. there's just, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel right, that peace that rules in my heart, I just won't step forward because we go to the Word of God. That's how the Lord speaks to us. But there's nothing in the Word of God that says you should change or go. There's, through the Word of God, He can give you some principles and things that are important for you, but He also desires to speak to you in that still small voice and that peace that rules Amen. in your heart. So. Amen. Why don't we, let's pray. Father, I pray for Andy. I thank you for his call. I thank you that he's taking care of his 95-year-old father. What a blessing. And Lord, I pray that as he is coming to you, he has brothers and sisters that are praying, his church. Um, we join in that prayer here in Colorado for Andy, that whether he should change jobs or stay where he's at as we get older, Things get more difficult on our bodies, you know, mentally. But, Lord, you give him a peace that rules in his heart. And as he's gone to you, as he's waiting for you, Lord, you speak to him which way to go, to the right or to the left. You promised that you would do that. So, Lord, just um, just speak to him in that still, small voice. Um, and, Lord, um, just bless him. And, and that he would have a peace, that he made the right decision. He doesn't have to be anxious, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, just letting that request be known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Bless Andy. Work and show yourself strong on his behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andy. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Have a great day. You too. God bless you guys out there in New Jersey. Thank you. God bless you. All right, we got a we got another call from New Jersey, Carlos. Carlos, hello. How are you? Thanks for waiting. Yes, yeah, I, it was wonderful. Even though I was waiting, I was hearing so many calls from New Jersey. I'm happy. Yeah, I, There's so many yeah, people I know, and I am so blessed. You know, to I've never been to New Jersey, so you know what, Carlos, I need to come out to New Jersey sometime. Then you're never going to move back. You're going to stay here. <laughs> uh, see my brothers and sisters out there. But I'm so blessed to be a part of your guys' life. So so do you got a question for me, Carlos? Yes. My question is, how? why would um, Jesus tell um, his disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Messiah? You know, that's a good question. And um, it doesn't say specifically in the scriptures, except that we do kind of get the 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 uh, feeling um, we suspect that Jesus didn't want the circus mentality to take place. Um, what happened is oftentimes they did go and tell, <laughs> and yep. they okay. they you know didn't listen, and then the great multitudes were coming. But I think what Jesus was dealing with is that um, that first of all, um, when it came to you know, don't tell about the the miracles that I'm doing. They were only coming because of of miracles and things like that. Then later on, he revealed to the disciples up at Caesarea Philippi that um, that I am going to go to Jerusalem and die, but don't say anything to anyone yet um, because they they didn't understand that it wasn't his hour. And Jesus, up to that point, would say it's not my hour. Um, in the in the area of the Galilee. Um, Matthew records that they came and they were going to crown him as king. Mm. 
but then he dismissed the crowds. So if they would have said, hey, here's the Messiah, he told us he's the Son of God, um, they would have you know, wanted to take him by force. That's what the gospel narratives tell us. And what did Jesus do? He dismissed the crowds. He dismissed the crowds on the basis they were only coming to him for a material, political king. And even up until the time that he made his triumphal entry, that they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We know from Luke's gospel uh, that in chapter 19 that it tells us that they were expecting him to usher in the kingdom of God right away. So they were looking at Messiah to, to, to overthrow Rome, to, to, you know, look, he's healing, he's, he's uh, feeding us, he fed the 5,000, we'll never go hungry again, we'll throw off the rope of Rome, and they did not understand, even the disciples, up until the time that Jesus went to the cross, that there was a greater need, and that was this, and that was sin, that he needed to free us from sin. So I think that, you know, as you get closer to the cross, Jesus in John's gospel particularly says, now my hour has come. But they didn't understand. They didn't understand everything. And it was fuzzy to them. And, and more clarity came to them after the resurrection. Well, that that's a great answer. It does answer my questions. Thank you yeah. very much. You bet. You need prayer, Carlos? That's right. And not just from you, but from every single person that's listening right now. Please pray for me, for my health. And um, I do have a doctor's appointment tomorrow morning or tomorrow okay. afternoon. I'm hoping that it goes well. Yeah. Well, let's, well, yeah. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my brother, Carlos. I pray that um, as he goes to the doctor, he gets a good report. Even as if it means you doing a healing work right now, I'll be here. He goes in. Lord, minister to him, bring healing to him, strengthen his body. I pray that you would encourage him. He get a good report. Lord, we lift him up to you, the great physician. We can come and ask because you love your children, and we ask in faith, and we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, show yourself strong in his behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Shalom. Hey, Carlos. Shalom. Hey, let me know how you're doing, Carlos, okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, God bless you. All right, we've been busy with the phones, 303-690-3000. Plenty of time for you uh, to be able to call in. So let's go to Dave in Aurora. Dave? Hi, Pastor. How you doing? Good. How are you, Dave? I'm blessed. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Thank you for being patient and waiting. Uh, not a problem. So, uh, just the, um, so Halloween is tomorrow, and my question is, uh, um, what is your position on churches that are providing that alternate um, location, you know, and Christians right. partaking in Halloween, you know, and take, you know, yeah. taking their kids out trick-or-treating? Yeah, and, you know, I've been waiting. Usually in October, I get this question asked to me, should we celebrate Halloween? Should I take my kids trick-or-treating? And you're the first one that has actually called this month and asked me this. Um, but wow. it is something, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I've been expecting it. And, um, you know, yeah. it, it is, here, here's the thing, that some churches 
wanted to do an alternative. You know, Paul writes in Romans that one man esteems one day above another, one man esteems every day alike. You be convinced in your own mind. And there are churches that, you know, in our liberty as Christians that feel like that, you know, we can present light and truth and we can have an alternative. We can, you know, um, have a place where the kids are safe. We can proclaim the gospel. Uh, we can um, have a place where, you know, Jesus is glorified. Um, so there are those who have that take. And that's rather than calling it a Halloween gathering, they call it a harvest gathering. I don't have any problem with that. Um, here's where the problem can lie, that when it comes to our liberty, Dave, is that, you know, Paul said when it comes to, for example, in the book of, of Corinthians, First Corinthians, there was this whole issue, do we eat meat offered to idols? And he said the idol is nothing. The idol is nothing. Um, so he talks about our liberty. He, he discusses that. He says knowledge is puffs up, but love edifies. So he's making his case through chapters, you know, eight, nine, and ten about our liberty. And um, and and as he goes through it, he starts out by saying that the idols are nothing. In other words, um, those idols, those gods. There's only one true God that he goes on to say. Um, and then when you get to chapter ten, he says, "But here's the thing you need to remember: that behind the idols, there's demons." Um, and the key in First Corinthians chapter ten is to partake. You know, don't you know if you partake in of the meat and in you know these uh, pagan temples, you're going to the market. You got to keep in mind that behind those idols, there's demonic forces that are going on. As Christians, sometimes Christians feel like, well, there's nothing wrong with dressing my kid up, you know, in a cowboy or you know suit or you know as you know. Uh, uh, something else and go get some candy. It's it's fun and all of that. They feel they have the liberty to do that. I think as Christians it's important for us, um, Dave, that we need to be careful to where um it is origins of Halloween that is dark. Um the Bible has a lot to say about we're not to um be a part of those things. You can go to Exodus chapter twenty two Leviticus chapter 19, chapter 20, there are verses there. Um, we know that we're told to stay away from, you know, those kinds of uh, witchcraft and, and anything that is occultic, um, right. and that's witches and goblins and all of that. Deuteronomy 18. Yeah, Deuteronomy, uh, or Exodus 22, verse 18, uh, you uh-huh. can read. Leviticus 19, verse 31, um, you, you know, um, chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, you go to the New Testament, um, th- there is um, Acts uh, chapter 16, um, there's, Phil- you know, in Philippi, there was the fortune-telling girl um, that was demon-possessed. Um, Acts chapter 19, um, you know, um, the you see that in the book of uh, uh, Acts chapter 19 on Paul's third missionary journey in Ephesus, they brought their magic books and they burned them. And they were saying, we don't want anything to do with this, with the occultic practices and stuff. We are now Christians. So I think it's important as Christians that we don't celebrate darkness. Now, Dave, I'm going to tell you my conviction on it because I know that's what people are going to wonder about my church. When it comes to liberty, there's a couple questions I have to ask. Number one, it does can God look at this and say it's good? 
um, that it honors the Lord. Second of all, am I stumbling other brothers and sisters? And for me personally, this is my conviction. I don't have a problem with the church that wants to do a harvest, that that wants to give the gospel, that wants to have a band giving praise music. I don't have a problem with that. With me, my personal conviction is it's it's people in an outreach to the community still see it as Halloween. There's going to be costumes there that are of witches and you know you know demons and things like that. Um, and then when it comes to our kids, parents are very sensitive about it, and it just stumbles Christians. So what we have decided to do, instead of doing it on Halloween, the 31st, we do a harvest gathering uh, and a harvest festival at the end of September, beginning of October. And that way we have games for the kids, we have candy, we have a great time. They don't have to worry about wearing costumes. And we're not stumbling parents in, in that celebrating Halloween. And it works really well. Tomorrow night, we're, we're going to be here at our Wednesday night service, and we're going to be going through Bible study. And the kids are going to go through their normal classes and youth groups meeting. And that's what we've chosen to do. So that's kind of a long answer. So I don't have a definite yes or no but I don't think that Christians should be involved in the darkness at all. And, um, and you know, Halloween's become a big deal all of a sudden. And it's like the second most celebrated holiday next to Christmas now. And um, so that's the, kind of my take on it. No, that was, that was perfect. And um, my take is probably, I probably could choose a better phrase, but I can't, you can't put, you can't put lipstick on a pig. And, uh, you know, and that's just how I was, you know, I was teaching my kids, and it makes perfect sense, you know, what to some it may not affect them, maybe it depends on the motives behind it all, just because you dress up as a, uh, you know, a Ninja Turtle or, you know, Power Ranger yeah. doesn't make it any different, you're still partaking or bringing some some of that tradition and, call, you know, slapping a big red ribbon on it, so... But yeah. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate your uh, your yeah. take on it, it's, and it's it's perfect answer, and I and and that's what yeah. I, yes, it's all I really in, appreciate in the that. liberty what, what Christians have. So good question. Hopefully, I know that some would disagree with me, but that's okay. Um, you know, we have to do what the Lord puts on our hearts and stuff, and and uh, so. But I don't think that Christians really should have you know be celebrating mm-hmm. darkness or you know, demonic things and, you know, Ouija boards and all of that other stuff. Stay away from it. We're told from Scripture definitely to do that. So I appreciate it. Appreciate your call, Dave. Good question. So I've been waiting for it. So, hey. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. For you, I know that's a big thing. Some of you, you know, you're going, kids look forward to going out and getting candy. Or I know uh, churches and pastors that I love very much and respect. They're teachers of the Word. They love the Lord. They're going to do an outreach, and God bless you. We're going to be praying for you. And, um, and you know, we all have the different convictions. So, you know, does it bring honor to the Lord um, in our liberty? Um, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, and um, you just got to go to the Lord and have a peace that rules in your heart about those things. Let's go to Sheka in Denver. I don't know if I said that right. Is it Sheka? No. no, this is Shaka. How are you, Pastor? Shaka. I'm sorry. Yeah. I am good. <laughs> 
That's Thanks for good. waiting. How are you? I'm 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 doing okay. I can't complain, but good. I did want to call and um, just ask you a question, just regarding uh, conflict amongst believers. And I just wanted to get your advice as a pastor, especially with those in authority, um, how to go about it um, in an appropriate way if there might be tension amongst believers or this unspoken, um, that's the best word that I can pick to describe it, um, where you're not quite sure, I'm not quite sure if I've done anything wrong um, to this other person. And um, I just, I just want to know the best way to to approach them. Um, right. And, and I am kind of where I have been diligently praying about it, making sure that I'm not projecting my own issues on someone else. Um, and I don't believe that that I am, but I would like to get the issue resolved um, so that I can offer my gift. <laughs> um, right. And, and I and- just, you know. And I, I think you just made the reference that if you feel like that um, that um, there's an issue with your brother or sister, you know, you are to go to them and talk with them. And it's amazing what talking does. Um, when you say, hey, have I done anything wrong? Have I um, offended you or anything? And Jesus gives that specific uh, command that that's what we are to do, um, that uh, first of all, what you're to do is go to them, and then you can come and bring your gift, right? Yeah. So so that's what you're first of all to do. When somebody is sinning, when it comes to conflict with other brothers and sisters, um, Matthew again, in Matthew chapter uh, 19, I believe, um, is um, telling us, I'm trying to find it right now, that what we're to do is... Um, we are to go with somebody, yes, dealing with the sinning brother, chapter 18, actually. And if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Mm-hmm. does not say that you plaster it on Facebook. doesn't mean you right. go and tell everybody else. And I think that's the problem with social media. I really yeah. do. I think that people use social media uh, to start blasting away at a brother or sister or at a church, and it's not right. It's not the biblical way. Uh, I know that I've been blasted on, you know, social media. Uh, most pastors do. And rather than, you know, going to them and um, going to that individual alone and talk to them about their fault, if somebody has done something wrong um, or is doing something wrong, is sinning, then you do that. And if you, you know, they uh, hear you and they repent of it, then, you know, you've gained a brother. If not, then you take a witness with you. And um, I think that's an important step. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as he says, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he refuses, then then it goes to the church. Because sometimes people say, hey, pastor, you know, so-and-so this, or they throw it on Facebook, or they want to gather a posse around them. They're to go to them alone, mm-hmm. bring a witness, and then it goes to the church. So there's order that's to be. And, and here's the thing, um, Shaka, is that God always desires for there to be restoration, for there to yeah. be repentance and restoration. Any, If you've done something wrong, that, hey, do I, I want to understand. Did I do something wrong? Did I hurt you? You go to them and ask them. 
and that's your part, or if somebody has done wrong and is sinning and we bring correction to them, um, then we're to do it in order, as Matthew chapter 18 says. Um, so that is dealing with the brother or sister, what the guidelines of Scripture gives to us. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, it, I just ask for prayer regarding that, because I want to have it restored. I just don't know how to go about it. Um, I, I don't know how to approach the situation. So that's why I was calling, just for advice on how to approach it. Yeah. Um, and and that, listen, the, the Lord knows the conflict that's there. You have your part to do. And it takes, like the saying, two to tango. And the person that you go to, you pray that they have a heart for there to be understanding and, and clarity and there be restoration. Now, here's the thing, Shaka. There may be clarity and understanding. There may not be agreement, whatever it is that the conflict is, okay? Okay. But at least give clarity and understanding. This is what I'm thinking, this is what's on my heart, this is, you know, whatever the case may be, the Lord knows. But okay. when it comes to conflict, sometimes people say, well, I'll only restore if you agree with me, if yeah. you do what I tell you to do. And they they dig in their heels, and they're not flexible, they're not trying to be understanding, but you have a part to do, and then you pray, Lord, you know, I, I pray that their heart is soft, so that we do have clarity and understanding, but it may not always mean agreement, yeah. and uh, and you know that's okay. And I think we live in a culture and we live in an atmosphere right now where um, you know if you don't agree with me, I'm going to be nasty and yeah. I'm not going to like you. We see it in the in the political arena. We see it in our culture. We see it even in the church today. Yeah. And uh, and here's the thing that love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know what that verse means? Um, it, basically. It, it, do, it, it, it means this. It doesn't mean that, okay, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, let's just love one another. It doesn't matter what you do, how you sin. That's not what it means. It means is that love covers a multitude of sin, and in human relationships, none of us are perfect. You know, we say things that hurt, we we do things that somebody doesn't like, but in that, I want to show love to you, and and the whole issue of love is going to override that, hey, we're going to love each other, we may not agree, um, you know, we we may have to, to uh, have things in place, Here's clarity and understanding, but it covers a multitude of sins. I'm still going to be your brother is what you're saying. I'm still going to be your sister. I, I still I don't want us to be our relationship just severed and strained, but but love covers a multitude of sins because human relationships can get difficult at times. And if people would just say, hey, my desire is there to be for restoration— and for restoring. And I know we're talking about a complicated subject because there are some people that they cannot restore that relationship because that person keeps hurting them or sinning against them or whatever the case may be. But that's always a desire when it comes to conflicts. Okay. Can I just ask for prayer that, um, that we'll pray with and agree with me that the Lord would just help me to love more? That's a prayer that I've been requesting a lot. 
um, and that's, not out of obligation, but that he would bring me a point to where I love in volition, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense in what I'm saying. Father, I pray for Shekha in whatever conflict is there, Lord, um, that you know what it is. You know what she's dealing with. She's hurting. I can tell, obviously. <laughs> and, and Lord, I just pray that there would be a restoring, a restoration. There be clarity and understanding of conflict. Lord, that hearts would be shared and that whoever the conflict is, that there would be a desire on the other person, uh, the other party, to have that same kind of heart, that they would keep in mind that, uh, Lord, that's your heart and your desire. So, Lord, I just pray for Shaka. I just pray for her that you give her wisdom, that you give her strength. I thank you that she's willing to humble herself and go to that individual. So I pray that there's humbling on both sides in every way, Lord, that you would work and that there be, Lord, just a, uh, as we come together and talk, um, that there be that healing and restoring work that you desire to do and that she desires to have. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so God much. Bless you. I appreciate it. God bless you, too. I'm going to be praying for you. Thank you. You bet. Hey, sorry we didn't get to everybody, and we had a great show. And um, I pray that, again, you guys in Colorado, be careful driving tonight. And God bless you, and and um, thank you for tune, being tuned in to Calvary Live, and we'll talk to everybody next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.